you can trust God for the promises, will you trust God in the promises? All too often, people make decisions based on emotions, uh, based on logic, based on what others are doing, but not based on the perfect will of God. Anytime you feel like you need to make something happen, watch out. You're trying to manipulate the outcome. If the Lord has spoken, then he will direct your steps, but you must be aware of manipulation. When you're following somebody else's path, uh, you will miss out on God's best for you. And I didn't think that was the church that I preached at. So stop trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do. If you settle on someone else's calling, you will miss your own. Is it good or is it God? That's the title of my message tonight. Is it good or is it God? Good is the enemy of best. Do we know this? Some of us do. Good is the enemy of best. By the time this message is over, you're going to know. See, I'm going to know. Because you're going to teach me. And I'm going to learn. In Jesus' name. So if you can trust God for the promises, will you trust God in the promises? If you can trust God for his promises, and we know his promises are yes and amen. If you can trust God for the promises, will you trust God in the promises? Second Corinthians 1.20. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, all the promises of God. I think we know the scripture, most of us, right? The Lord is looking for your faithful participation, church. He is looking for your faithful participation, not your own logical leading. Amen. Too many Christians try to lead by their own logic, but God just wants your faithful participation. Amen. So all too often, people make decisions based on emotions, uh, based on logic, based on what others are doing, but not based on the perfect will of God. Right? So we're going to look at Abraham. In Old Testament example, he is given a promise in Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look there in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 12, he's given a promise. And this promise is, is that he's going to become a great nation. He's going to become a great nation. His offspring will possess, possess the land. And through him, all nations of the earth will be blessed. This is a promise that was given to Abraham. Now, in Galatians 3.29, this is what the word of God says. It says, and if, if you, that's all of you, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, right? And heirs according to the promise, the promise that was made to him, which means every believer has this promise of being blessed, Every believer has this promise, for we are heirs of God, say it with me, heirs of God, okay, and of Abraham's seed. It's promised to you by God. So Abraham is known as the father of faith. I think most of us know that. And he was a mighty man of God. But even this mighty man of God made some decisions that were not God's best for him. Twice, Abraham, out of fear for his own life, lied about his relationship with his wife. And he told the Egyptians, and later again, he told Abimelech that Sarah, his wife, was his sister. 
So in Genesis chapter 12, there was a famine in the land. And Abram, at the time, his name was Abram, went down to dwell in Egypt. And he told, he told Sarai, because that's what her name was at first, he told Sarai to lie and to say to the Egyptians that she was his sister so that his life could be spared. Let's read Genesis 12 and starting in verse 12. We're going to go from 12 through 15. It says, therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please, Abram's talking to Sarah, please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman and she was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. So Abraham asked his, his wife to lie and because he wanted his life spared. And so she does. And the very thing that he... He was fearful of, he was fearful that he was going to be killed on behalf, on account of the fact that she was so beautiful. She gets taken, they literally take her into, into their, their place there. But when we see what happens next, God is on the throne. He does not, he doesn't shift, he doesn't change, he's not, he doesn't change or shift like a, like a shadow, right? So the Lord, what he did was he plagued Pharaoh. He plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, his Abram's wife. And he sent Sarai back to Abraham without being touched. When God has a plan and his will, and of course his will will stand always. So let's read in Genesis 12, starting in verse 17. I want you to read and see in the word of God exactly what I just got done telling you. So starting in verse 17. It says, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and he said, what is it that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, go. Here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So the Lord plagues Pharaoh, and, and he's saying, wait, 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 what's going on here? Like, this is, something is not right here. You have told me that this is your sister, but there was the fear of God in this man to know something is wrong. Look at all the plagues that are happening. And he questioned Abram, and Abram told him the truth, right? That wasn't the only time that Abram said Sarah was his, his sister. That wasn't the only time. So the second time, again, we read it, but this time it's in, it's in Genesis 20. And this is when Abram told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife, again, for fear that his life would be taken. So turn your Bibles to Genesis 20. And I want you to see in verse 11, 20 and verse 11. It says, and Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. Again, 
a fearful, coward, cowardice move, right? He, and he did it again. And so the truth is, church, that she was half his sister. But half a truth is still a whole lie. Half a truth is still a lie. It's still a whole lie. His fear caused him to speak out. And he, he, his fear caused him to speak and to get himself in trouble, not once, not twice. And this was a man of God. This was a man that feared God. This was a man that the Bible says, you know, a man of faith, father of faith, right? But everybody can make a mistake, even multiple times. Amen. Thank God for the mercy of God. But since this promise of becoming a great nation came from God, that promise came from God. The promises that he's made for you, they, you know, the ones that came from God, God's going to make sure those promises come to pass. So since this promise of him becoming a great nation literally came from God, okay, is he not able to bring it to pass? Is he not able to bring to pass what he has spoken? Of course. So if you can trust God for the promises, will you trust God in the promises? Yes, we will. In Genesis 20, we are told how Sarah was taken by Abimelech, and had she gotten pregnant, had, okay, had she gotten pregnant, that would have resulted in God's plan being usurped and violated in Abraham's life. But rest assured, God would have used someone else. He would have done something else to accomplish his purposes for a great nation. He is not at our beck and call. The person that loses is us when we're in disobedience, right? Because God will make sure his plan comes to, comes to uh, pass. Malachi 3, 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. God doesn't change. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, okay, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Absolutely. So what was, what was Abraham doing? What was this man of faith doing, not once but twice, trying to manipulate the outcome? He was trying to manipulate the outcome. Anytime you feel like you need to make something happen, watch out. You're trying to manipulate the outcome. Does God need your help? No. He wants your partnership, but does he need your help? No. So anytime you're trying to make something happen, you know, you might be manipulating, okay, the outcome, and that is never of God. If the Lord has spoken, then he will direct your steps, but you must be aware of manipulation. Amen. I'm going to amen myself as well. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to amen myself. Amen. Hallelujah. And it takes the wisdom of God to know when this is happening. It takes the wisdom of God, the discernment of God. See, the enemy will try to engage you in manipulating the situation when you think it's not going as you thought it should. Okay? He wants your surrendered obedience. In Genesis 3.1, and we all know this, in Genesis 3.1, the serpent, this is what it says. Now the serpent was more cunning, or in some versions it'll say crafty. Okay, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat 
of every tree in the garden? That is not what God said. What is happening here? The serpent was manipulating, twisting, turning, perverting, just a little bit, just a little off. A little bit off is going to get you way off. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to, hallelujah, <laughs> whoever said that. So the etymology of the word crafty, this is what it means. Etymology is when you break the word down and you take it to the root. The etymology of the word crafty means to be cunning. It means manipulating. It means giving dishonest counsel. It means to achieve one's means by deceit. And it means, it means to be subtle. The enemy is subtle. He is subtle. Okay? We must always seek the Lord in everything and make sure you are not being manipulated. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah, you're not being manipulated, nor are you manipulating the outcome. Because you could be on either side of that, of that fence. And either side is good. Something may be of God for somebody else, but it may not be of God for you. In other words, if God has called you to preach the word of God, okay, if he's called you to preach the word of God and to be in full-time ministry, then that is the perfect will of God for you, if God has called you to that. It's, it is not the perfect will of God for everybody to be in full-time ministry, right? If you persist in pursuing what others have because you want that, because you see, well, it's good for them, Okay, good is the enemy of best. You will never achieve the fullness of what God has called you to do if you're looking at another man's field. You have to look to what God is saying, right? Hence, good is the enemy of best. So the only safe place to be, the only safe place to be, is in the perfect will of God. Just because it is God's will for someone else doesn't mean that it is God's will for you. Okay, um, if if it's good, uh, if it's good, and if it's of God for some, I mean, think about it: dentists, doctors, lawyers, teachers, you know, on and on and on. Okay, but is everyone to be such? Of course not, right? When you follow others into what they deem good, you may miss out on God's best for your life. Get your eyes off of people and keep your eyes on the Lord. When you're following somebody else's path, you will miss out on God's best for you. And I didn't think that was the church that I preached at. I believe that God has his spirit upon you and you are focused on what he's called you to and not somebody else. Is that true? Amen. Because maybe they were called to publish, be a published author, and maybe you were not. And so stop trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do. Because let me tell you, it's going to end up in what? I can wrap it up in one word, frustration. You'll end up frustrated. So if you settle on someone else's calling, you will miss your own. I'm going to say it again just because I can. If you settle on someone else's calling, you will miss your own. Nobody wants to miss their own. More importantly, you grieve the heart of God. And his plans for you, we know, are always good and perfect. Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And God has thoughts towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. There are thoughts of peace, right? Not of evil, to give you a future, to give you a hope. God has his good thoughts towards you. He has a plan for you. Will you join yourself 
Well, I'm sorry. What you join yourself determines your destiny. What you join yourself to, it determines your destiny. Who you connect yourself with also determines your destiny. Good or bad. So the decisions that you make set you up for a certain outcome. Are we all following? The decisions that we make literally set us up for a specific outcome. Mm -hmm. And God has a perfect plan, and we all want to fulfill that perfect plan. We all want to fulfill that perfect plan. Is that right, gentlemen in the back? Yes, we want to fulfill that perfect plan. Let's stay focused. Yes. Okay? The Lord is looking for your faithful participation towards him and not your own logical thinking. The reason that I repeat certain phrases is because there is a need to repeat certain phrases. You know, the enemy does not want you to hear the fullness, not just what I'm saying, but for you to get the revelation of what I'm saying. I will not stand back and allow you to be deceived or any deaf and dumb spirit to be allowed to stay on you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Your blood is not going to be on my hands. Hallelujah. Don't make decisions based on emotions, on logic, or based on what other people are doing, but on the perfect will of God. I am sure, if asked, Judas would have chosen a different path. Right? I'm sure if any of us would have asked Judas, he would have chosen a different path. Right? He, he would have said, wow, if I would have known that was the outcome, I would have never done that. I would have never gone there. Same thing, I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure and quite certain that King Saul would have also rethought his persistent defiance. Had he known the kingdom would have been taken from him. Because that's what happened. The kingdom of God was taken from him. The Lord told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is what he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. Again, just because Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nations doesn't mean everybody is called to be a prophet. But rest assured, God has an amazing, incredible plan for your life. Right? So we have to be focused on our assignment and not get carried away by every other good thing. Yeah? So again, is it good or is it God in your life? Because good is the enemy of best. We're going to trust God, not just for the promises, but we're going to trust him in and through the promises. Okay? Another misstep in the waiting. While they waited for God's promise to be fulfilled, Sarah grew tired. Right? She grew tired. And she told Abraham to have a child with her servant, Hagar. And Abraham followed through. Like, I don't know which one is more absurd. I don't know which one's more absurd. Sarah's instruction or Abraham's follow-through. Seriously? Like, the whole thing is crazy. No, no, and no again. But they went through with it. They went through with it. Hence, the dangers of midway promises. God already promised. He already promised that he was going to have a son. And, he, this, and your seed is going to be, it's going to be nations. Can you count the stars? No, exactly. So shall the seed be that comes forth from you. He already promised. But see, Abraham felt like, and Sarah, had, they had to help God out. Anytime you feel like you have to help God out, what happens, you, you start to create an Ishmael. And if you create an Ishmael, you're going to have to live with the Ishmael. And we don't want to create Ishmaels when Isaacs are what God has planned for you. Right? 
We don't need it. We don't want it. So it's easy to believe God at, at his promises, especially in the beginning. But sometimes midway, right, midway sometimes people can kind of falter and make wrong decisions, get tired, get flushed. Maybe God is saying this. Well, maybe this and maybe that. That is the time to stay so focused and so in tune with what the Lord is saying because the enemy wants to rob from some of you. But he's not going to if you heed what I'm saying here tonight. Okay? So in this decision, both Sarah and Abraham, both of them are guilty, uh, the Ishmael was born. He, he, he was born. So we don't want to birth an Ishmael when an Isaac has been promised. In spite of these mistakes, though, God still protected his promise to Abraham because he is faithful. God is faithful. And in Psalm 119.89, this is what the word of the Lord says. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's forever, Lord. Your word is eternal, and it stands firm in the heavens. His word stands firm in the heavens. Okay? In your own life, you must know God's plans are for a good and perfect plan that he has for you. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, of whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. It's the good and perfect gift that God has planned, and, it, and he really does. He loves us to no end, but at the same time, we have to realize midway, midway promises, like, oh, it's only halfway, don't step in. Don't make your way. Don't try to make something happen. Be patient. Be patient. So the safest way to ensure that you don't get caught up in good when good is the, is the enemy of best, okay, is to slow down in your decision-making. Decisions that are made impulsively, okay, typically lead to loss. When we make impulsive decisions, quick, without, you know, they typically lead to loss, okay? All kinds of loss, loss of favor, loss of finances, loss of time, loss of reputation, loss of destiny, loss in every way. Right? So if you can trust God for the promises, then of course you can trust God in those promises. And you must ask yourself in every situation, is this, is it good or is it God for me? I'm, I'm going to have you say it out loud over yourself. Is this good or is this God for me? And that's the question. You have to start asking yourself, is this God for me? Because it might be good for somebody else and it may be best for somebody else, but is it God for me? Okay? And you know, God loves to answer when you genuinely ask him. Right? Our Lord loves, he talks to us all the time. And he wants to commune with us all the time. He is truly our faithful father. And he's so good. He is so good. And I, we're just so blessed that we can, we can come before his throne of grace all the time and just ask him and talk to him. Right? So in conclusion, the promises of God are all about God and not us. For some, that might be eye open, an eye-opener. I don't know. But the promises of God, everything he has promised you, it's really not about you. It is about God. It is about blessing him. It is about bringing glory to him. It is about shining forth his, his faithfulness in your life. It is all about exalting him. Psalm 115.1 says this. It says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name. To your name we give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth. So 
the promises of God. God wants to bless us, but he wants that blessing to turn back into praise unto him. He wants to bless you. Don't get me wrong. It's just not all about you. He wants that blessing to be turned back into praise and adoration for him. So what God has called you to, okay, will, he will also be faithful to. What God has called you to, he will be faithful to. What you have called yourself to, you will have to provide for. Mm -hmm. So what you, have call, what you have called, you must keep. What God has called, he will keep. Let's say that together, just because we can. What, what we have called, we must keep. But what God has called, he will keep. Let's say it again. What we have called, we must keep. But what God has called, he will keep one more time. What we have called, we must keep. But what God has called, he will keep. God want, he wants to call you into incredible, like radical things that he only can provide for. He wants to call you into radical things that only the hand of God's moving in your life will it ever come be accomplished and not your own. Okay? So, again, if, it is, if it's God in your life, we must only do that which is God. Good is the enemy of best. So is it good or is it God? Father, we come before you right now, and I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that every single one in this room, Lord God, they hear the word, they've heard the word of God, and they are walking out changed stronger because the word is alive. And the word prospers us and pro continually prospers in the thing for which it was sent. So, Father, right now I thank you that as they heard, they, every one of them, as they heard the word of God, Lord God, that, that something inside of them shifted and just literally said, ah, oh, here's an area in my life where I need to make sure that I am doing the will of God and not what is good for somebody else. Uh, I thank you, Father God. Good is the enemy of best, and therefore we choose to keep ourselves in the perfect will of God, not easily swayed by every good thing. We will keep our eyes upon you and we will wait for your hand to guide us in our everyday life. And as your word states in Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We will wait on the Lord for great and perfect are your ways and are your ways to us, Father God. So right now, Lord God, in any place where there is a deaf and dumb spirit, where there is a dull spirit, we just take authority, we command it to go. For Lord God, they are being sharpened and strengthened. Their swords are literally being sharpened and strengthened. They're going to walk in the perfect will of God. Every one of them. I speak it over them and I prophesy it over them. They're going to walk in the perfect will of God. They're going to have the wisdom and discernment to know what is truly of God and what isn't. Father God, I thank you for the increased discernment right now. I thank you not only increased discernment, but also knowing who to partner with. We're going to partner with the right people. We're going to partner with people that God has called us to partner with. And we're going to be focused on our assignment. And we're not going to allow deception, manipulation to get into our lives. Father God, we lift up. Oh, we lift up your name right now. Just start to worship and praise him. We lift up your name right now. We thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you for hearts that are opening up to the truth of God's will, Lord God. Your will, your perfect will. Lord God, that is what sets us free when we walk in the perfect will of God. So I decree that over all of us right now, transformation, transformation. We're being transformed. We're going to go by what is God's best and not just second choice. Thank you, Lord God. He doesn't have leftovers. He doesn't have stepchildren. I thank 
thank you, Lord God, fullness, fullness, fullness over each and every one of you. You're going to dream the dreams of God. You're going to speak the things of God. You're going to come into agreement with the things of God. And you are being changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give God the glory.